You're listening to the Connected Parenting Minute with Will and Carrie Ann Sandfest. This podcast is a conversation about parenting using connection first, trauma informed principles. Because when you lead with connection, everyone feels seen, which is the foundation to a more peaceful home. This podcast reminds you that you don't have to be a perfect parent, but we can all get a little better, one connected parenting minute at a time. Hello, and welcome back to the podcast. My name is Will, and I am so glad that you are joining us here today. With me is the lovely Carrie Ann Stampest. Hello. So today on the podcast, we are talking about a very important concept that really helped me understand my children better. Yeah? Oh, yeah. It's this concept of belt safety is different than actual or physical safety. Ooh, Let's let's talk about this. And I shouldn't even say actual safety because felt safety is a real form of safety. Being feeling safe is important. And it's not that feeling safe is not a fake form of safety and physical safety is an actual form of safety. But this concept that feeling safe is super important, most especially to our adoptive and foster children or children that have experienced hard or traumatic things in their lives, it can really trigger fear response inside of our children and as as we have learned and I think as a lot of other parents know fear can drive a lot of not so great behaviors in our children that's true I think one thing that as you're talking about this and explaining this because we did come to like this realization in our parenting kind of together for the most part yeah but I, I have to say for like our generation that it became a, a little bit of a hard concept to understand, especially now, because there are a lot of like safety. I don't know. There's just this aura around that word that. There's like the safety culture. Yeah. Safety culture. And there's good and there's and there's bad with it. Right. So there's good things that have come out of more of a, a culture that's more aware of safety. Mm-hmm. And yet there are downsides when it's taken too far is, exactly. is the way I would put it. I mean, we could really dig deep into a lot of this and this is totally going a different direction than I already thought our podcast would go today. But I think there is a element to, you know, back in the 80s when our kids were starting to, or I was a kid, and there was starting to be a lot of conversations around child kidnappings and stuff. Mm -hmm. And our parents started being like, oh my goodness, I need to keep my kids safe. And we started doing less and less like outside. It snowballs into a whole bunch of stuff. There's a fantastic book on that that we read that I'm sure we can dive into on a future episode. Exactly. This is not the direction we were going to go. That's okay. It's all right. Sometimes things come out as we're starting to talk. So the, the today's podcast is about the concept of felt safety. Mm-hmm. So I feel like the first point we should do is kind of define what is the difference between like a physical, I'm not going to get hurt kind of safety and a felt safety. Yeah, we should definitely talk about that. There's an example that some of our good friends like to use on a regular basis. It, it's a great example. And, it I, is. and so I borrow it shamelessly. But the idea is, is most people, and this is not everybody, but the vast majority of people out there feel safer when you are driving to the airport than when you are actually on the plane flying somewhere. Why is that, Will? Well, we can talk about why in just a second. Okay. But most people are more afraid of flying than they are of driving to the airport. Mm -hmm. And statistically speaking, 
you are far safer in that airplane than mm -hmm. you are in that car. And so even though you are statistically safer in the airplane, you could say you are physically safe in the airplane, you feel safer in the car. Mm -hmm. And I think going back to your question, why is that? I think it has to do with control, right? You feel yeah. out of control in the airplane. If we're being honest, uh -huh. some of us have control issues. That would be me. And so you may have heard that example before, but it really highlights the difference that you are physically safer in the plane, but a lot of people feel safer in the car. Mm -hmm. Well, I think this also, this makes me think of the example of like kiddos at bedtime, right? Mm -hmm. We have kids. I mean, we've been putting to bed, kids to bed for- For 20 years. A long, long, long time. And there are some situations where we are just, I mean, there's a lot of times where we're just tired and we just want them to go to sleep, right? Yeah. There have been times when we have particular kids that keep coming out and saying, well, I'm scared of this or this is bothering me or I need to talk about this, even up to the point of like some kids coming out and crying about certain things. And so it's easy to dismiss that as you're just trying to get not go to sleep. I'm tired. I want to be done being a parent today. Mm -hmm. Just go to bed. Mm -hmm. But there is an element that sometimes our kids actually are having a fear based response to something. And, you know, we have to be the de detectives of our kids to figure those things out. As our kids' parents, we need to understand our children the best. And so understanding what drives them, what they're afraid of, what keeps them up at night is key to understanding our kids and responding in the most helpful way at night because they do need to sleep. But just giving them the go back to bed rah, kind of growling response makes them feel very dismissed. Exactly. And I have just a tiny story to tell about that really quick. Yeah. And then we'll keep moving. But just recently, we actually had a kid who's much older now. But when this kid was younger, we did go through a period of time where they came out of their room pretty much every single night, just as we were starting to settle in and we watch a show, turn our brains off for a little while. And they were seriously upset about some, some pretty deep things. Like upset, upset. Like upset, upset. And they would come. And so we would just be like, okay, we're going to try this. Like this, this is after we started our journey into connected parenting. Exactly. And so we're like, okay, this is, this is like rubber meets the road. Am I going to really do it? Am I going to do this? And so he would pause the show and sit and talk and pray. And it, this happened over and over. I mean, it was over a period of several months. It, yeah. wasn't, it was not a short amount of time. But recently this child shared, hey, you know what? Those times when you always listened to me and you took me seriously, I think that's really the reason why I tell you guys so much stuff. Mm -hmm. I don't think that my friends tell their parents as much stuff as I tell you. Is that weird? And I'm like, nope, nope, you're good. That's great. So, I mean, really, that's the goal we're going for. And we, and we have a really good relationship with this child. Yes, we do. And for full disclosure, he told us this while we were staying up late watching a show together. So yeah. <laughs> you might be building a habit. <laughs> that's true. That's true. All right. So our first point for today is recognize that there is a, there is a difference between felt safety and physical safety. We'll call it physical safety. Yeah. All right. And so in that, we're going to talk about fear responses. So, well, could you explain the four fear responses to us? 
I think there's more than four now, but we're going to focus on the the four most popular ones. It's it's, it's all the F words, the bite, blight, freeze, and fawn, as -hmm. in like baby deer. And so most people have heard of fight, flight, or freeze, where if your child is afraid, sometimes their go-to thing is to raise their voice, to yell, to get aggressive. And that's kind of that fight response. Mm -hmm. The flight response is the child who always disappears when things get stressful. They hide under the table, they run to their room, they find an excuse to leave, go to the store for something, whatever. Or run away. Thankfully, or runners. Yeah, thankfully we, have, we haven't had that. We haven't personally experienced that. We have friends that, have, that definitely have experienced the runner phenomenon. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of people are very familiar with those two. And those are really kind of like the arousal responses. Children that when they're afraid, their initial reaction is, I need to do something. Mm-hmm. Right. And the other two that we talk about are freeze and fawn. And those are much more kind of passive, kind of disassociative type responses where you're trying to just escape the situation, mm-hmm. which is a little scary because the child is so afraid that they feel like they can no longer do anything about that situation, mm-hmm. either something in their history or something they've experienced or just the level to which they're experiencing fear in that situation causes them to believe they can't do anything. They have no choices or agency to do something about it. Mm-hmm. And so they feel the need to just disconnect. And so freeze can look like a lot of things. Yeah. I think the other thing is it's not, you know, we call them fear responses, but in that situation, it might not even really be fear. It might just be the common one I think of. And I know I've experienced a lot. Sometimes our kids experience is the, oh my gosh, here goes my parent lecture mode. How can I get out of this? Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, if we're being honest, yeah, that happens. That happens. And that's, but seems to me, that's like a coping skill. Like you've learned to cope with your parents switching into lecture mode, right? <laughs> Maybe. But when you feel like, okay, I just have to sit here and listen and basically agree to whatever they're saying at the moment so I can just, you know, skedaddle. I can leave. Yeah. It, it, it kind of fits in this. Yeah, a bit. It does. So, uh, but that, that freeze, mm-hmm. I mean, that really is just kind of deer in the headlights. You, we were talking about that a little while ago. Yeah. If you live in the Midwest, you know what deer in the headlights means because late at night driving on you know our two lane highways in the middle of nowhere in the fall and the spring you need to watch out for deer because right. you hit a deer with your car your car is not winning yeah exactly. I mean the deer doesn't win either but <laughs> it's a lose lose situation no one wants to be in this situation nobody wants to do that but yeah it's just that the situation happens and your kid just kind of stops talking kind of checks out they might they might just they might still physically be there but mm-hmm. they don't say a lot they don't really respond yeah. You know, there's there's a couple of different ways that freeze could look. Well, and then that fawn, that that is kind of a newer one. That's a newer one, yeah. But I I see it a lot. There's actually a really good podcast I just listened to some of our friends, the Empowered Parent Podcast. Yes. They they did an episode on this and they talked a lot about that fawn response and how that is more you just say whatever you think the other person wants to hear. Like like a people pleaser. Like you're doing whatever it takes to make everybody happy. You're almost mm-hmm. like a peacekeeper or something like that. And that can be a fear response in our kids where mm-hmm. they're legitimately afraid and they're just saying whatever. And if we're not paying attention as parents, that can look like, oh, that's the good kid. He's mm-hmm. the one who diffuses all the fights. He always agrees. And like that comes back to what we were saying earlier. We need to be the ones who understand our kids the best. Exactly. So that we recognize when our kid is being a people pleaser in an unhealthy way. 
and when our kid is just genuinely gets along with a lot of people. Right. There is one story that I thought of too, when we talked about that freeze response and, you know, looking back at this from now, from what I know, right. Mm -hmm. You learn more things. The more we know, the better we do. I know that's not how it goes. Do the best you can (laughs) until you know better. And when you know better, you do better. There we go. That was sort of the words that are getting jumbled up in my head. Maya Angelou, I should. Yes. Give appropriate credit. We had a kid that used to have this freeze response and I I know both of us, it kind of graded on us a little bit. And we, at the time we didn't understand it as much, but there, oh, bear with me. I'm going to try to tell the story. Well, when we would have the situation, say this kid did something, hit his brother, whatever it was, and you'd go into, you know, come in full lecture mode saying, hey, this is not okay. You can't do this, da, da, da. And waiting for him to react in the situation to like acknowledge that, yes, mom is right. I shouldn't hit my brother. I shouldn't have drawn angry faces and said awful things on the bottom of his mattress. Oh, right. I forgot about that. Yeah. So there's this situation and I'd be like totally serious and he would be standing there and I'm waiting for his response. And then he would break out laughing. Mm -hmm. holy moly talk about triggering for me like as a parent you go are you kidding me you are laughing when I am super serious and this is a super serious situation Mm -hmm. and you're laughing I heard that that can be a response like one of the fear responses Mm -hmm. is like your your brain just doesn't know what to do and you just burst out laughing that's a disassociative thing right because the appropriate response in there is to be sad to be contrite to, you know, whatever, whatever you're looking for. Mm -hmm. And his response is to kind of disassociate and just kind of, ha, 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 you know. Oh my gosh. He might have done that a few times. And I just literally, I didn't even know what to do with it. Thankfully, I don't think I acted super bad in this situation. He might remember it differently. I'm sure he does. But I will have to say that when I learned that, I saw that about him. It really opened our eyes. It did. And it was just like, Oh, I get it. Okay. Mm -hmm. He wasn't being like super disrespectful. I'm not raising a psychopath. (laughs) Like it really made me understand my child better. And so the more, you know, that's all I'm saying. Yeah. Well, and that's, and that's what this podcast is about is sharing things that we have learned as parents that we think will help other parents out there. And so again, understanding your child well enough that when they respond in a stressful situation, you can see past that. Like, what is the thing behind the thing? Mm-hmm. Is that a genuine uh, contrite, like, I'm sorry for this response? Or is that like an uh, unhealthy people pleasing response? Mm-hmm. Are they disassociating because they are super stressed? Are they distracted about something else? You know, it's, again, the hard work is parents. Yeah. In the, in the parent-child relationship, the hard work falls on the parent. So, no, definitely. So point number two would be notice fear responses in your children and call them out, not necessarily to your kid right there in this moment, but to yourself, be able to say, hmm, what kind of response might this be if it doesn't seem like, if it you doesn't know, it's not fit going the well. Or, right. Yeah. Yeah. Like what's going on there? What's going on? Again, be your, the number one detective in your child's life. All right. Third point. Third point. All right. So I was, I was happy about this because I was like, ooh, what four C's can we put into this? But when we're, when we're dealing with those big behaviors and when, when the situation is getting heated, 
I was like, hey, I wonder if this will stick. We'll, we'll try this, the four C's. So the first one is calm because, and that's for us, the parents, obviously. Obviously. <laughs> well, it should be obvious because as the parents, we're probably the one that is capable of working in our prefrontal cortex in this yes. moment. Our, our thinking brains can go online or we can put enough strategies in place that that's what we can go to eventually. Mm-hmm. So we need to be calm in order to comfort our child, to be able to connect with our child. And Which then puts us in the position to... That we can correct our child. So there we go. Calm, comfort, connect, correct. So we have to be the calm ones mm-hmm. so that we can bring comfort to our child, which then we are calm and they are comforted. We can kind of reconnect mm-hmm. in the relationship. And then once you have a calm, comforted, reconnected relationship, then is the moment where you're actually able to bring correction and discuss what happened mm-hmm. and how it can be handled differently in the future. Yeah. We'll I like s- it. We'll see how this goes. I, I'm just, I'm feeling Confidence. Random. Four C's. Brought to you by Carrie Ann Stanfest. You heard her here first on the Connected Parenting Minute podcast. Copyright 2023. <laughs> I'm going to fall off my seat. I'm laughing so hard. All right. So that being said, seriously, how cool is this? We get to the opportunity to be the ones to notice these things about our kids, to be able to call those things out, to be able to share with them, to recognize that we're the people that get to teach our kids how to connect and how to, you know, repair ruptured relationships Mm -hmm. and how to have these conversations and the older they get and the more they get that scene modeled for them, hopefully the more they can bring that to their kids and to their kids. I mean, like generationally. It's generational change. It really is. How amazing is that? uh, It is pretty cool. It it, it really is. Because, I mean, you're you're raising the people that are going to raise our grandbabies. Mm Mm-hmm. For the good and the bad. Yeah, well, that's true. So, But good job for you, listener, listening to a podcast about parenting, learning from our, hopefully learning from our mistakes. And let's let's just go. So give yourselves a pat on the back today. You're doing a good job. Crisp high five. (laughs) Crisp high five. All right. (laughs) All right. So before we completely derail, we should probably wrap up, go over our three points again. All right. So point number one is recognize there's a difference between felt safety and physical safety. Yes, which is important. It, well, it's important to take seriously. You can go over the top and, you know, six ways till Sunday crazy about it. But when it comes to our kids, they're still learning and growing. We get to set the example for that and we get to be the people that that help call them out on it mm-hmm. in, a, in a positive way. So, all right. And point number two is is understanding fear responses. Yep. Right? Is fight, flight, freeze, and fawn are the ones we talk about the most often. But understanding that when your kid is in a stressful situation, you need to understand what their response is and what that really means. Like kind of what's behind it. Mm-hmm. You know, that if there's an unhealthy fear behind the way they're acting in that situation or if it's a healthy response, again, that comes down to you knowing your child best and recognizing what some of these different fear responses can look like. Because they don't always look like we picture them. Mm-hmm. All right. And point number three is in those big behaviors, remember the four C's. Calm, comfort, connect, then correct. So the parents have to stay calm mm-hmm. so that we can bring comfort to the kid, so that we can reconnect in relationship. And then finally, that sets the foundation where we can correct a behavior. I can see a whole podcast in that one. That sounds nice. 
All right. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us. We are very thankful for each and every one of our listeners. If you've gotten value, if you enjoy this podcast, it would really help us out if you take a minute, leave us a review or a rating on whatever platform you're listening to. That would be really appreciated. Um, in the meantime, if you have any comments or questions, reach out. We're on all the social medias and uh, we'd love to hear directly from our listeners. As always, we'd like to remind you. You don't have to be a perfect parent. But we can all get a little bit better. One connected parenting minute at a time. Thanks for listening to my mom and dad's podcast. Make sure you hit the subscribe button and hit the like button like 10 billion times. Yeah. For more parenting tips or to connect with us, check out the Connected Parenting Minute on YouTube, Instagram, and Facebook. Or you can send us an email using connectedparentingminute at gmail.com.